You know what's um, crazy is um, soap operas, like you know, daytime television shows, yeah. were invented by Procter and Gamble. That's why they're called soap operas. No and the way. reason is because they wanted to be able to create ads to show you in the middle of the show. Wow. And so they're like, we need something for you to watch in the middle of the day when moms are watching and yeah. they want to sell laundry detergent or you know, diapers or soap. Um, so they created a television show so that they could put ads every 15 minutes in. That's, that's so why fascinating. Created by Procter & Gamble. This is Limited Supply, the place for refreshingly real takes on what D2C is really like. We're your hosts, Nick and Moyes. Let's start talking about money. So I love Tapcart. It's a drag and drop builder that turns your Shopify store into a native mobile app in just a few hours. The average time to launch an app live in the app store is just about two weeks. Crazy stats, average 43X ROI, high conversion and retention rates, 100% organic reach per push, push notification CTR 7X higher than email, over 92% engagement rate. So limited supply listeners get their first two months of Tapcart for free. So you'll actually be able to launch your app live and test this new owned sales and marketing channel. Head to tapcart.com slash limited. That is tapcart.com slash limited to book a demo and start building your app today. You won't regret it. Okay, episode six. Here we go. We're talking about a bunch of stuff, very little of which I have any understanding of right now. Uh, so you got to lead us through the agenda. All right. So we're going to start with talking through Apple's DSP. We're going to talk about Ali Webb, the president of Canopy, which is a humidifier company. I wrote out just like at midnight last night, I wrote out a bunch of thoughts on legacy tech and hard industries to build in and and how some companies are innovating there. So we'll talk about that. And then we'll finish out with procurement. And uh, that'll be the episode today. Okay, fantastic. Let's hit it. Uh, Let's start. Apple DSP. What is DSP? All right. So do you know what DSP is? No. Demand side planning? Uh, Demand side platform. So basically, when you think about programmatic advertising, there's kind of three pieces to it. There's your, your content. There's DMP, which is data management platform. And then there's DSP, which is demand side platform. So your DSP is companies like Google, Quantcast, AdRoll. They basically put the ads out on the internet in these banner placements. Got it. Uh, Same for YouTube. And then your DMP is like your brain. That's where like all your customer data lives. That's where like, like in the DMP, you could be like, all right, Moise came in to the store and then he went online and then he opened our app. Like all that data just sits in there. And it basically helps make the decisions of what the DSP is going to show you. Okay. This is like old school ad tech. So anyways, today, today is August 3rd that we're recording this and Apple announced their DSP. Or sorry, they didn't announce it, but uh, they they put a job up for it. They, they need, they're recruiting people to help build their DSP. And so, you know, they kind of held Facebook's balls yeah. the last few years and then they just squeezed them. And so, you know, the whole reason is because like Tim Cook said, uh, we're not going to, Facebook, we're not going to let you know that Moyes went 34% down the page and spent yeah. three minutes yeah, and 49 yeah, yeah, seconds. Yeah, yeah. So fuck you, Tim Cook. But what this job posting means is that Apple, it looks like they're building out a full ad platform themselves. And so I took an, a quick excerpt from the, the job posting and they're looking for designers and developers for campaign management, bidding, wow. incrementality, Dynamic creative wow. optimization, okay, that's what this matching, is. auctions, experimentation, while empowering customer privacy throughout. That's, that is a load of bullshit. That's unbelievable. First, when you when you had this on the agenda, I was like, how are we going to chat about all of this? But yeah. now I understand what it is. It's a job description from Apple. 
That's fucking terrible. Isn't that crazy? That's awful. And so, so then I started to think, all right, first of all, Tim Cook, you suck. Like you screwed so many small businesses. But secondly, when is this thing coming out? Because I want to test it. And <laughs> he did screw a bunch of small businesses. He did. But like it's the height of hypocrisy 100%. that a company as big as Apple, uh, you know, which is all about consumer privacy, then releases the AirTag, which allows me to follow you home. Yeah. And, and there's no way for me to turn that off either. Yeah, yeah. I'll just be notified. Yeah, yeah. And you'll be notified in an hour. By the time you get notified, I'll steal the Lambo that you've got in your garage. Yeah. You know, it's it's insane that they're talking about privacy. They don't want Facebook to know that you've scrolled 34% down on the page and you're on the page for two minutes. Meanwhile, I can literally physically follow you yeah. to harm you. And I'm not sure why there are a lot more reports or a lot or like why the media isn't talking about this more. I think they're a little bit afraid of like talking about bad about Apple. I think that's Apple exactly controls it. the universe. But yeah. like, you know, you can't talk about consumer privacy and sell an air tag. hundred uh, percent. That blows my mind. One time um, uh, when me, you and Suli went to Rumble and yeah. then we got, we got something to drink after. Yeah. Uh, we were basically walking together and so my phone was like, hey, there's AirPods following you. And at first I was like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah, uh, but and I was, it was like, mine. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. no one's trying to, you know, chase me here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then I realized it was your AirPods. And you cannot, you can't say like, stop tracking or yeah. like, you know, dead it. Um, so yeah, anyways, huge hypocrisy from Apple. At the same time, I'm very excited to see what yeah. this looks like. And everyone knew they were going to come out with this, right? Yeah, it was just like, a matter of time. Yeah. But, you know, I, like Android users, you know, they're like, yeah, we get the features first or we get that new camera first or whatever it is, we get it first. But when Apple gets it, it is just the most beautifully designed yeah. thing. It's, it's good. so well done. Yeah. You know, it's everything is 13 out of 10. And yeah. so I'm, I'm really excited to see what that looks like and to put it to use. Yeah, you're right about that. That's crazy. I wonder how they're going to do this, because I always thought it was sort of like, is their ad structure going to be for the app store? Is, it, is this specifically yeah. for the app store? I'm is very this beyond curious. that? Because like dynamic creative optimization, experimentation, incrementality, like those are all, uh, that's a very sophisticated ad platform for something that isn't getting like, you know, as many eyeballs and as much time on apps spent as Facebook or Instagram. So I'm curious to see if they're like leaning into something else that's more private that we don't know about, or if it's just, hey, we're look, launching a better, smarter, more sophisticated advertising platform for the app store. Yeah. The most recent that I know about is obviously like App Store ads. Before that, the only one I can think of, I guess news could be a good placement for ads. But the, you know, the the one that I think of when I think of like Apple ads and like Apple ad platform is they acquired a company, I'm forgetting the name, and they renamed it to iAd, little i and then just ad. And in the apps, oh, yeah. companies could be like, you know, I want to turn on ads yeah. and make money. And yeah, it was all yeah. powered by iAds. I and then it kind of like slowly fizzled away, I think, when yeah. apps started to get their own versions of ad networks. So I'm very curious to see, like, wow. is Apple going to buy an ad network? Are they going to figure out, like, you know, is our podcast going to have its own set of Apple ads before and after? Or, like, you open the app right now and you see banner ads above and below. So I'm curious about that. I'm curious about, um, you know, Twitter and Facebook. If you want to run ads on external sites, you can basically make the ads in Facebook and Twitter, and then the ads will actually populate on like display ad networks around the internet. So I wonder if they're going to plug in wow. that way. I never realized how much smarter you are than me until this moment. <laughs> When now I'm like, oh yeah, all of these advertising, like I'm thinking about the apps or I'm thinking so small. You're thinking so much larger. Certainly Apple is thinking much larger, which is we have eyeballs all over the place. Yeah. Well, not only that, but like 
Well, the third one I'm, I'm very curious about is like, how are they going to make these ad units clickable? Because when I think about ban, I can't even remember the last banner ad I saw. I have ad yeah. blockers on, yeah. but even like billboards and banner ads, it's like, I just naturally ignore them. And I think the, like, you know, if you go to like a marketing agency, like they get really horny with like a 0.01% click-through rate yeah. with programmatic ads. Yeah. So I'm really interested to see how Apple is going to be like, well, we're on Facebook's level of advertising and you got to give us our budgets. Yeah. The other place this could be is uh, midstream in like Apple TV. Like you're watching a TV yeah, show that's a on good Apple point. TV, like the one about that soccer guy, I forgot what it's called. And then all of a sudden you start seeing an ad and they've got this going. Yeah, that is so... So true. I, I remember, uh, I think we went to this dinner together, but I, I chatted with some rep at like NBC or ABC or one of these uh, big companies. And they're like, we want to build a self-service ad platform so that when you're streaming something on like Peacock or whatever it was, yeah. you know, you can show whatever ad you want at the exact right time. Yeah. And I was like, that is a lot of work. You know, yeah, that, there, and like, that is no big, chance. Yeah, that is a big <laughs> distraction from creating TV shows. And they're like, we got to get into the game of like digital and we've got to think about it. Like, you know, I'm like, this is a hundred million dollar to $250 million investment. And they're like, we can get buy-in. We just need to know that we're doing the right thing. Um, I remember at, uh, so like, it's almost notorious that like some of the worst, most annoying sales reps in ad tech come from iHeartRadio, the clear <laughs> channel. And I remember going to the iHeartRadio office in New York, sitting down with their sales team you know, I used to, I did like two years of work in ad tech, which is how I know about a lot about ad tech. And I remember sitting down with them and they're like, yeah, so we're going to, we're going to be launching this programmatic podcast network and programmatic radio advertising. And so everybody's going to get unique ads tailored to who they are. And I was like, as far as I know how the radio works, you can't send individual frequencies to cars and cars sure. can't identify of through course. FM yeah, signal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, no, well, if a mom is going to pick up her kids at three o'clock, like we're going to show a hint water ad because that's what a mom should be hearing. And I said, that's not called programmatic. That's just like slotting it in yeah, around at 3 a time. PM. Yeah, yeah, 3 yeah, PM. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, no, this is programmatic. It's AI driven. It's yeah. the, all these buzzwords. And they had no idea what it's talking about. But anyways. Yeah. You know what's um, crazy is um, soap operas, like, you know, daytime television shows. Yeah were invented by Procter & Gamble. That's why they're called soap operas. No and the way. reason is because they wanted to be able to create ads to show you in the middle of the show. Wow. And so they're like, we need something for you to watch in the middle of the day when moms are watching and yeah. they want to sell laundry detergent or you know diapers or soap. Um, so they created a television show so that they could put ads every 15 minutes in. That's, that's so why fascinating. Soap operas. Created by Procter & Gamble. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, inf infomercials too just yeah. run all night. Yeah. And surprisingly, infomercials do so well. And so does like remnant inventory that goes from like midnight to like 6 a.m. I don't know why, but those times do so well for advertising. Oh, because people have like, I There's watch all of those ads. Do. My brother and I would like, uh, I, I would like, we'd share a bedroom, like, you know, when we were growing up. Yeah. And I'd always put on the television, the bedroom infomercials. And he's like, How are we watching an infomercial instead of any television? And I'm like, This infomercial is so good. And I remember watching like uh, Ron Papil. He had this rotisserie chicken thing that he would for like yeah. campers and RVs. And if you bought it, you got like a liquid flavor injector and a solid flavor injector. So you could like uh, inject lemon juice and like garlic. What's crazy is that when we were when we were trying to sell native, uh, one of the guys who was trying to buy it, 
he's like, look, there are maybe a handful of people I've met who I would trust to run my business and you're one of them. And I'm like, how could you say that? We've only met a couple of times and we didn't get along that well. And he's like, uh, you're all in on marketing. And I was like, I grew up watching these infomercials <laughs> and we talked about that infomercial. He's like, that infomercial was so good. And I'm like, I can't believe, you know, it's probably on the air for five years. Yeah. And like, that's where we bonded. And I still, I like, you know, there's those flex seal tapes ones. Have you seen those recently? Yeah. Where you can, it feels like you can lift a, a car with a piece of duct tape because the duct tape, because, uh, uh, you know, seal is so strong. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised that more direct-to-consumer brands haven't taken advantage. Yeah, I agree. I think infomercials are great. I also think going and buying remnant ad inventory to go test creative. And you don't even like, when we ran it for Judy, we invested probably $5,000 in our first piece of test creative. And like, that's not a lot of money to yeah. go test TV. And then I think we had probably like a 35, 40K media plan that was just straight remnant. And it, and it was like, we'd find a channel that worked. We'd test it again because it was like, okay, was it just the programming? Was it the daytime? Whatever. And then if it worked, we would just double down. And there were some networks, like there was a network called uh, Baby First TV, which is under that umbrella of First Media. Have yeah. You ever seen those viral food videos by yeah. So Yummy? Yeah, yeah. Same family there. Like that CPA was just always half of Facebook. And it was like, I have no idea why, but yeah. it just it just worked. Overnight, Baby First TV was like the go-to and we would try to buy as much as we could. So anyways, I think that's one thing more brands should try. Another one, like the modern day infomercial in my eyes is like creator whitelisting, like work with influencers or creators to create really good content and run it as ads, but run it in a way that's not like, you know, cringy, like a photo on the grass holding your deodorant. It's like, this is native and this is why I use it. And this is how much better it is. Yeah. And also if you use my link as like whatever, Shelly, you get 25% off. Yeah. I agree with that. And I think brands are doing that. And that, that is probably modern day infomercials. Yeah. I think all oh, the yesteryear infomercial still probably works. Yeah. And I'd be really like Judy's such a great example, right? Totally. Which is like, uh, here's a first aid kit that's beautiful. There's different sizes, whether you're like an individual living in New York City or you've got a house with 12 people living in Dallas, Texas. Right. So open up one of those cases, show me what it is, start using the products. Totally. And like, you know, there's so many influencers behind Judy. I think like Kim Kardashian is one of them. Like, you know, what if she was in there for five minutes? Right. You know, wouldn't that be like, oh, like Kim Kardashian using a flashlight and one of those straws to help cl that cleans water as right. you, uh, you know, drink through the, th through the straw in case it's like, you know, bad way. Uh, you know, that's so interesting. And that I think that would get a lot of people to watch. And I think regular people who are watching infomercials would also be like, wow, this first aid kit is way better than the first aid <laughs> yeah. kit I've got. Because right yeah. now, I, even when I go to buy Judy, I'm like, okay, it's a first aid kit. Not right. a, holy cow, it's got all of these things inside of it. Yeah, Judy tends to do really well on QVC for the same reason. Yeah, like the, yeah, the visual aspect and even the ads we ran, like showing the products was yeah. what always did yeah. well. All right, let's talk about Ali Webb at Canopy. So Ali Webb is like probably one of my favorite entrepreneurs. And I've been a huge fan of Ali Webb for years. Insane. I met her once yeah. in Los Angeles. And I was just like, start, like, I don't get starstruck by, like, I've had shots of Fireball with Pitbull and I've hung out with celebrities, but I do not get starstruck by celebrities. Uh, like when I met Gary Vaynerchuk the first time, I like couldn't say a word. When I met Ali Webb for the first time, I couldn't say a word. Like it's these business people that just have crushed business. Definitely. Uh, like even when I met you, I was like, holy shit, that's the native guy, <laughs> you know? And I was like, damn. But uh, so anyway, so Ali Webb is, uh, she's been named the president of Canopy and she had Drybar and that was a huge success. And she sold that, I believe 
entirely, I think. I don't know 100% know, but I think she sold it to a PE firm. And then she started a concept, which I think was hyped at the beginning. And now I haven't heard about it for years, but it was called Squeeze. And it was like, so dry bars, you go in, you have a set time. The uh, hairstylist knows exactly how you want your hair done. You're in and out. You know, it's a nice experience. You get like a Belgian boys, lemon cookies and lemon hint water because it's all yellow. Squeeze was the same thing. It was the same thing, but instead of hair, it was like, we're just going to give you a massage. So, you know, if I know I have an hour between my calls, I can go in for 30 minutes. I know what time I'm in. I know what time I'm out. They know what type of massage I want. I can use the app. There's like a whole tech enablement thing of, you know, makes the experience better. And I never heard about that then after kind of the launch announcement. And I don't know how many locations they have, maybe one or two. And then all of a sudden, she became the president of Canopy. And Canopy, to me, is a fascinating brand because I think they've crushed it from a performance marketing standpoint while also keeping the brand very beautiful. It's also interesting because the guys behind Canopy are the same guys who run Doris Dev, which is like the product agency that has made like, you know, Equal Parts and the Raiden Suitcase and Great Jones Cookware and, and a ton of other direct consumer brands. They like make the products. Their moat really is like product development, product innovation, uh, logistics, supply chain, and all that kind of stuff. But they've also really crushed it on the marketing side. And so anyways, Ali became the president and I asked Mike and Justin, who are the co-founders, I was like, you know, Ali's like obviously a beast of an entrepreneur and a yeah. human. Yeah, how does a small you know, like, brand Why get would she like give that? a shit yeah. about Canopy? Because Canopy is like a humidifier brand. Canopy is a straight like, humidifier. Yeah. And, and like, you know, can't be doing 20 million in revenue. Like, I'd be shocked if it was doing 20 million in revenue. It might be close, to be honest. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Uh, but I think it's definitely like, it's doing multi-millions. Okay, yeah. And um, how do you get, you know, an Ali Webb who, yeah. you know, she is rich and uh, super successful, can get yeah. a bunch of jobs that she wants. And she'd has probably like, go fundraise in a heartbeat if she wanted to start yeah. something. And she's got like, fuck you money, where she's like, why would I work at yeah. this, you know, are you going to like get me an assistant? Is someone going to like, bring, you know, exactly. why am I going to do all this hard work? Yeah. And so that was basically my question. Like, yeah. you know, why, <laughs> why? Yeah. And it's, I'm always curious as to like how celebrity, you know, Ali's kind of a celebrity yeah, in the B2B definitely. world. So like how are celebrities used? So for example, Onda, which is sparkling tequila brand I invested in, they have Shea Mitchell as a, you know, quote unquote co-founder. That helps them unlock national retail tests versus like small little county based retail tests and yeah. then expand. So anyways, I was like, why, you know, what does Ali bring? And basically it's kind of the same thing. Like they can get it, uh, like they're going to be in a massive retail chain soon and that retail brand was kind of on the fence of like, are we going to have the, them in at this time or that time? Or, or are, you know, how many yeah, units sure. are we going to order? And one call from Ali Webb and it's like, oh, you guys I mean, are going national and you have right a away. sick display and you're going now. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, I started to think like, that's a really fascinating use of somebody who's got basically a platform and all the right network and connections. It's kind of actually the goal of a lot of these companies that raise from a ton of angels, like operator angels, who are, you know, they're like the, they're putting in a thousand dollars, five thousand, ten thousand. But it's like you get the access to the network. But somebody like Ali Webb is like next level. Ali Webb is great. And she, you know, whenever people are like, what's a great female founded company that you look up to? I'm always like Dry Bar. It's yeah. amazing. I remember the South by Southwest uh, that I went to a really long time ago, uh, I heard Ben Horowitz speak. And uh, Ben Horowitz is one of the co-founders of like this big VC firm. And uh, somebody was asking him a question. It just, WhatsApp had just been acquired by Facebook. 
like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they just announced it. Yeah. And so I think Andreessen Horowitz made a ton of money, but they're like, Ben, what do you think of this? The guys who are running WhatsApp are going to remain in charge. And this isn't going to happen to Web, I don't think. But he's like, you know, I always am worried about this kind of stuff because sometimes founders call in rich. And he, I was like, they're like, what do you mean by that? He's like, well, look, everyone wants to run a startup or a business when things are going really well. Like you want to be the CEO of Ford when Ford sales are increasing a ton and you just released a Mustang. You want to be the CEO of Apple when the iPhone drops, right? Right. Everyone wants to see that growth and that excitement and get praised. Right. The flip side of that coin is when things get really tough and the founders have $4 billion, they're going to be like, why am I doing this? Yeah. So they're going to call in and be like, you know what? I remember now I'm rich and I don't want to do all this hard work. And so I'm not going to show up. Yeah. And so he's like, you know, founders call in rich. And I don't think that'll happen to Ali Webb, but I do think that's generally a problem with trying to recruit people who've had big exits like her. Yeah. Which How is long did like, you stay at Native? Yeah. I st- and I stayed at Native for a long time. Right. Like the longest, uh, you know, uh, there was this guy who I'm not sure if I can tell this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Yeah. He founded a brand called Curl Smith and they sold to like Helen of Troy. And he signed a document and he's like, I want to leave the moment we sign the document and close. He's like, look, I just, uh, you know, I've worked really hard. I think this is an amazing brand. I'm not saying that I don't believe in this brand. I absolutely do. I'm just burned out. Or like, you know, I want to move on to the next chapter of my life. That's what a lot of people do when they've gotten a lot of wealth. I think it's really hard to get the alley webs of the world yeah. back into a business. And I'm really impressed with the candidate. Yeah, I was truly shocked. I was like, does she show up to meetings? Like, yeah, yeah. Know, I, do you, are you able to demand like, hey, get on this call with us? Like, yeah, like, and she's like, yeah, she shows up to all the weekly meetings. Yeah, so she's like a full-time CEO. Full, not yeah, like, yeah, 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 that's crazy. Pretty awesome. There's a reason brands like my own company, Long Weekend and Princess Polly use Tapcart. In-app conversion rates of around 12 to 14%. Shopify brands using Tapcart have sold well over three and a half billion dollars through their apps. You don't have to be a huge brand to have an app either. Just like it's never too soon to start building an email subscriber list, it's never too soon to start building a push subscriber list, an own marketing audience that will compound in value over time. With Tapcart, there's no coding required. There's a real-time sync with your Shopify store, which means that you can turn it into an app in hours and your inventory is always up to date automatically. The drag and drop software, it's much easier to maintain than you'd think. Start building today. Their team is super supportive and makes it really easy. And there's a great exclusive for our listeners. Get two months free at tapcart.com slash limited. Again, that's two months free at tapcart.com forward slash limited. What's the next thing we wanted to chat about? Okay, so this was something that uh, was just kind of like a late night thought that just kept getting more and more unraveled. So there's a friend of mine slash client actually, he works at a large alcohol company and he connected me with with this guy named Jeremy Levine. And Jeremy is, have you ever seen uh, this sports betting app called Underdogs? Yeah. Uh, so Jeremy's the founder of Underdogs. He also has a tequila brand called Los Dos Tequila, which is some of the tastiest, like crispiest tequila. And, you know, this guy said about Jeremy, like, I love betting on Jeremy because he builds everything really well in a really kind of like Apple-esque way in the industries that are very close to becoming unregulated or the regulation kind of lightens up a bit, kind of like betting. And when that time comes, Jeremy's business is always just ready to go. Yeah. So anyways, it got me thinking, I was just thinking about it last night and it got me thinking like there are some cool companies that exist today 
as a result of people who've built businesses off of these heavily regulated industries or very hard to move in industries. And so, you know, in alcohol, there's uh, wine shipping, which is like what House used. Uh, there's also another company called ExcelPay. The difference being like wine shipping figured out, okay, there's this three-tier system and uh, we're going to be the, you know, the liquor store. And so when people pay on Shopify, comes to our account because we're a liquor store, so we're allowed to accept payment. We're going to ship it out, and then we take the net proceeds and deposit it back in your bank account. Wine shipping and Excel Pay are actually the same thing. You press on Shopify, they make money, they pay you out. The other one is called Reserve Bar, which you're probably familiar with, which is like an alcohol marketplace online. And they do the same thing. They have like, I don't know, three liquor stores, you know, three bodegas, whatever, in every state. And it allows them, so like wherever you're shipping to, yeah. it, the order gets shipped out from there. And if you're like a like with 21 Seeds, which is another tequila brand, we did this where we said, okay, reserve bars on Shopify and two Shopify stores can connect and send orders back and forth. So we're going to build a Shopify store for reserve or for 21 Seeds. We're going to collect the order, collect the payment, then send that to reserve bar. And then they're going to fulfill it. But the customer only sees 21 Seeds. Sure. Now, the, the problem is like reserve bar gets all your customer data, whereas with like Excel Pay, they don't. Then there's a company called Grassdoor, and Grassdoor is basically like they help you get around the rules of cannabis delivery in California. So, like in in California, there's certain ways you have to process the payment, and then certain ways you have to, you have to deliver the product. And so, uh, Grassdoor, like we use Grassdoor to help launch a cannabis brand, where we basically got around like shipping weed. You know, we could process the order online, and then it gets directly sent into Grassdoor and whatever. Yeah. But there's so many of these, like, you know, Ojai does the same thing with delivery, like sure. deliveries, local deliveries, kind of a, a stale thing. Yeah. This reminds um, me of an episode. Do you ever watch this TV show, Rami? No. The first episode, he's about to, uh, he's dating this Muslim. He goes on first date with this Muslim girl. Yeah. And they're, she's like, let's have sex. And he's like, uh, you know, they're both Muslim, so they're not allowed to have sex. And yeah. she's like, uh, he's like, you know, I, I didn't think we'd get this far. This throwing me for a loop. And she's like, oh, I didn't know you were so religious. I can call the priest and have him give us a temporary marriage so we can have sex because you're not allowed to have sex until marriage. And he's like, I don't think tricking God is the way to get around this. I feel like all these things are just like, you know, we found a way to sell tequila to your door. Yeah, we've done a temporary marriage. So we found the loophole to this. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Airbnb and Uber are classic examples. 100%. Which is- Yeah, which is like, you find something super hard, you just make it easy. Yeah, or you do it illegally until you're able to push the laws because the service is so important that the world is able to move. You're able to move the world. And I love it too when it's in like, hard to move in spaces like banking is a huge one yeah that's why i love talking about credit cards and yeah. like you know they all basically do the same thing yeah they're um, built on the back of other ba- like there was simple built, which yeah. was sold a long time ago it was built on the back of another bank exactly I, mercury i've heard mer- great things on, about mercury. it's phenomenal you but it's it? on yeah i use it and i love it really it's it's an incredible bank like everybody should be using mercury in my opinion i will never use chase again wow okay. um but it's all built on top of Evolve Bank and Trust as as like 250,000 other banks are. Yeah. If you go to Evolve Bank and Trust, it's basically like we're a banking API, Yeah, you know? And yeah. like, who's the real winner? Probably Evolve. But like capsule pharmacies, like delivery of uh, your prescriptions, sure. same thing. And so I was trying to think, you know, what like what are the opportunities here in terms of like building something in a regulated industry. One I just thought of as we were starting was like, you know, 83Bs are a pain in the ass. This is a whole special process. 83Bs are like, if you get advisory shares in a company, 
you have to sign this stupid form and submit it. And if you submit it, you know, 10 seconds late, like you're paying a shitload of money in taxes. Yeah. And so, you know, like where, where are other places that this could work? There was one time I brainstormed a company where I was like, why don't we do a subscription service to uh, like legal stuff? And not in that you get like a, a subscription service to a lawyer, but it's like, you know, the, the, legal, the lawyer in your office gets a subscription to this newsletter that comes in once a week, sort of like 2 p.m. or something like that. We charge an absolute fortune for this, uh, for the email. But like, here's up, things that are up to date. So for instance, one of the interesting things I remember learning was that if you don't say by clicking this button, you accept the terms and commit conditions, you don't force the customer to accept those terms and conditions. Mm -hmm. Like you need that language right before place order. And so that's an important thing to put, yeah. like, you know, that might be something that some direct-to-consumer businesses have forgotten to do, or especially if they're not on Shopify, right. by saying, by play, clicking this button, you accept our terms and conditions and privacy policy. Right. So I was like, what if we build an app or like build a newsletter or a company based on where we provide this type of legal information to like uh, legal officers inside businesses? Yeah. I'm not sure if that's what you're referring to in, in this thing. No, I'm so I'm saying more like, all right, so the process of even something as simple as like notary, right? Yeah. Like you have to go somewhere, they yeah. have to stamp it. It's like yeah, such yeah. a bullshit process. <laughs> yeah. There's got to be a way to modernize that. Yeah. And it's a combination of like, you know, if I think about like, let's say Capsule. Capsule's front end, like their whole thing is like, we're going to build a better front end for a better customer experience, right? Yeah. Hymns too, Roman. Yeah. It's just, it's a company with a great front end. I'm sure on the back end, they're still dealing with the same bullshit of insurance and doctor's offices and all these industries that like yeah. have not innovated, yeah. but they become this bridge. And because they're like, you know, one of the first to do it or one of the best to do it, yeah. uh, they get to like wine shipping is the go-to for alcohol brands and grass store is the place you go if you want to sell weed online. Yeah. Yeah. How do I make a reservation to a doctor, right? Like, exactly. Uh, uh, and then provide that my insurance information so that when I get there, I don't have to refill out a form and they're not like, actually, we don't accept your insurance or there's yeah. some sort of problem. Exactly. I, I get where you're coming it's from. It's like now. reducing friction in these you yeah. know, uninnovated industries. Yeah. You can now get a, not a thing notarized online. You have to, like it costs 50 bucks. You've got to hold up your ID next to your face like this <laughs> and then do it. It's like the most ridiculous thing in the world. <laughs> That's hilarious. There's a bunch of stuff I want to chat about on the next episode. One is uh, this Andrew Udarian tweet, which is now stale because we haven't gotten to it in the last five episodes that I thought we would like to. Two, and this is something I'm really curious to get your take, is what subscription app should people be using on Shopify? Should they be using Skio? Should they be using Recharge? Should they be using Smarter? What should they use? What's better? And why is it better? Because I've only used Recharge my entire life because I, when I was in e-commerce, all those other options didn't exist. And right. I'm really curious to know what you think does much better job. Uh, so excited about that. But one thing that we forgot to do in episode five that I want to do in episode six is talk about brands that we love. Yes. Um, so give me your hot take. What's a brand that you love? No investment, no personal stake in it. You know, you maybe chat with the founders if you like, but like, uh, what's a brand that you really like? I would say Ridge Wallet. I don't have any like investment or anything. Yeah. I love the guys. I met them at a dinner once and uh, you know, they're also dope because they're nine figure business, completely bootstrapped. It's insane. Uh, Sean, who's the CEO yeah. is a savage. Like there's this uh, e-commerce operator Slack group I have with like probably 70 founders yeah. and somebody will be like, you know, Hey, what's uh what's the processing rate you're getting with this company? And Sean will just screenshot his rate. preferred rate and be like, send them this screenshot and tell them you want it or tell them I'm leaving. Oh, wow. You know, or awesome. just, he's just okay, an absolute one, put savage. Put me in that Slack group. Yeah, yeah. We got to get you in yeah, there. Yeah, get me in that Slack group. Uh, so I'd that, say Ridge yeah. Wallet. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, I'm going to go with two. Uh, one that I love called Last Crumb Cookies. 
Uh, you said this one before. Have I said? I don't I think, think so. I said it. Okay. Oh, that if okay. I, uh, I, I don't think I said it. I had it on the list, but oh, I was just okay. like I'm putting down. Uh, I really love the cookies. I, I gift them all the time. I think I've probably spent five thousand dollars this year on last crumb cookies. Because mine must have just gotten lost in the mail. Me, I guess. Uh, <laughs> anytime anyone does anything, I'm like, okay, let me send you a box of these cookies, and everyone's like, this is so awesome. Yeah. I wish that like things that you gift wouldn't all be terrible for you. I feel like you only gift alcohol or yeah, sugar. And vanity I was, or vice. Yeah, I wish there was something that was um, healthier that I could gift. Like not edible arrangements, but something like that where I'm like, here, I've gifted you health. Yeah. Uh, instead of just here's sugar or here's alcohol. There's one brand that I want to like, but I don't. And it's called Levels. Uh, I've tried to use their... Have you, have you used Levels? I invested in there. You invest in there. Do yeah. you have one on right now? No, no I don't. Okay. Uh, whenever I try and put it in, like I, I like I one one I used uh, that it's a continuous glucose monitor. I used one I couldn't it didn't give any readings. I used another one it gave me readings and it, they never changed. I'd eat a bowl of ice cream and my reading would be the same as if I just That's fasted crazy. for twenty four hours. And I'm like, there's no way I'm this healthy. Yeah. Um. And so I, I did it for four weeks and I couldn't get anything. Couldn't get any changes. So I was like, I don't love this brand yet, but I want to love it. Yeah. I think it's super. I I really like direct to consumer businesses or you know, whatever these types of businesses are called, innovating on that type of stuff. And Levels is a great example of what we were just talking 100%. about, which is they built a better UI for an, uh, for something that should exist. And everyone should be able to get a continuous glucose monitor totally. and understand how sugar uh, affects their body. It shouldn't, be, right now you need a prescription. It's bananas. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, how does an apple affect you? It's very different than the way an apple affects me, probably just based on our DNA and genetics and upbringing and history. And so I'm surprised that you need a prescription. They've done a good job of getting rid of that. Fully agree. Okay, looking forward to episode seven. Let's do it. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next time to cut through the noise in CPG, retail, and e-commerce. And if you enjoyed this episode, then why not share it with a friend? And be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. 